0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for You Anytime, Anywhere. Today is Wednesday, June the 9th, and during this Pentecost season, which can be a long one, but it shows us the green that's on our altars and on our pulpits and on our stoles, shows us that we are always growing in Christ, and we grow in Christ today by the power of the Holy Spirit as we study the inspired and true Word of God, and we put on our Christ goggles as we study 2 Kings chapter 6. It's a wonderful chapter that I think we really should be reading more often. We have an axe head that floats, horses and chariots in battle, trouble from the Lord, or is it God's deliverance? We'll find out. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy Strong Word is graciously unwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have with us regular guest Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Pastor Shank, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Well,
1: thank you. It's always an honor. Good morning to you. God's blessings to everyone listening. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely look forward to going through this this text. I think it has many many ways of um, bringing encouragement. Uh, strengthen us and even maybe confronting us in our, uh, our Christian silliness when we start looking for other ways to answer
0: our, our struggles when, when the answer is right there in the Lord. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. It's a good point because as you read this, we can kind of segment it and just think, oh, that's kind of a fun story. Oh, look at that. Look at this. You know, <laughs> this is interesting, but it really does. Um, Dr. Walter Meyer, we've had him on twice as we've studied first and second Kings. Um, and one of the beauties that he reiterates in his commentary in first Kings and his true and second Kings. Um, actually, I can't wait till he finishes his second one because <laughs> he's such a great resource. And he said, God, God works in history. So First and Second Kings gives us history, but it shows, it forms our theology, um, helps us understand our theology of how God works. And today, I think that's true even more than ever before. But I wanted to highlight this, Pastor. There's been, as we talked the last time, that you had just received a candidate from the seminary. And uh, when is that installation and ordination happening?
1: Yeah, our congregation is, is quite excited. There's a bit of a buzz uh, because, uh, this Sunday, so Sunday the 13th, um, at 3 p.m., we have an ordination and installation of Jess Spearman as our pastor and, uh, and he'll be doing, uh, campus work at SIUE. So if you have students going off to SIUE, we have campus ministry for the district. So it's a district-wide, um, ministry that we have and, um, evangelism and, and, and simply being pastor here. Uh, so yeah. So this Sunday at three, uh, ordination installation, which is just uh, very unique and doesn't happen every day. So um, uh, something for the congregation just to rejoice. And I, as I was saying to the church, this is something for us to rejoice in, not just as, as as Trinity, but all these other pastors come in, right? So we get to see that Trinity isn't alone. We're part of this whole the church gets to come together and, and the church gets to see God at work, and and the church gets to to see God place a man into the office and work through the office to to feed his people. So yeah, it's definitely an exciting, rejoicing uh, time for us.
0: Well, to our listeners, a reminder, and for myself, keep Trinity Lutheran Church in your prayers, and uh, uh, Pastor Bierman, as he begins As you said, to be stewards of the mysteries that our Lord gives to us and to be an under-shepherd of the good shepherd. Now, one reminder I have of ordination and installation is, you know, you you get gifts and you get a lot of cards and people are congratulating you. One of the things I remember the most is that someone gave me a, a few donuts. Uh, for my ordination. So just a reminder to those who are Trinity, get some donuts <laughs> for your pastor. He's going to remember it for years. At least I would if I was him. So anyways. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we'll crosses see. donuts.
0: Yeah, same thing. Same thing. No, same <laughs> Yeah. Well, Pastor, great. As, as we begin today, can you start us off in prayer?
1: Well, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, throughout this, your holy word, you remind us. Remind us that we are not alone. Though we face many challenges and struggles, though we feel like our situation and our, our struggle is overwhelming and there is no answer for us, yet you are there. You are there through your Son, and by him you have worked salvation for us. Be with us as we walk through this life, and as you bring us to life eternal in your name, and we may not lose heart, but we may be strengthened in, in your grace and by your forgiveness, so that we remain
0: with you till your son returns. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor, we as we continue through Second Kings, it's been a fascinating ride. And I guess I, I almost say that every day that I'm doing this because I'm learning so much every single day from the pastors, from my own study, um, from our listeners as they send in emails and call in. And Second Kings is no exception to this because it's it's a wild ride. We have Elijah, now we have Elisha. Um, what are some background or themes that you want to highlight to help us out this morning?
1: Well, as, as you had uh, just previously with with Naaman being healed, um, I think it would be interesting as we face our reading as uh, we kind of get into it, we see that that God is is working through his prophets um, and that we have uh, this ongoing reality of uh, the the struggles that we face on earth and, and yet God is sovereign. He is above at all, but he comes—he comes in the midst of it to answer the needs of his people, whether great um, as we see greatness or small as we see smallness. Uh, yet he answers them all, and he cares for us all individually uh, and personally. Uh, so we've had Naaman, who is is great, and we might have some other people with whom we would wonder about their importance. And them being noticed and their struggle—how is the struggle even noticed by God, the same God who made the heavens and the earth—and yet He provides for them too. Um, kind of, it definitely encourages us. And and of course, um, in the midst of it, we see Christ. Um, uh, so that <laughs> that should never uh, that should never be overlooked or, or missed. Uh, how much of of Jesus we see in in our text. So, yeah,
0: we've got a lot. Oh, absolutely. We had Dr. Thomas Egger, the, the president now of Concordia Seminary, on, on Monday. And one of the real joys of what he said is that God uses the lowly, you know, the little child that said, hey, why don't you check out this Elisha guy um, in Chapter 5, and then at the same time uses lowly things, dirty water from the Jordan to heal um, Naaman, and and it just i mean it just follows through so much the loneliness that god uses and the lowly people that god serves and i think that really rings true exactly what you're saying for today as well and obviously at the end of it who do we see but jesus himself anything else before we get started no i think i think that's a good place to start. All right. Well, let's open up our Bibles and get started. And reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the Holy Scriptures, 2 Kings chapter 6, and we'll read the first seven verses of the book today. Now, the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when he came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. When I read this, Pastor, it kind of reminded me of those few times in my whole well, my whole life where you borrow something from somebody and then you break it. And then you're kind of like, boy, where was my Elisha in those days, right? <laughs> so what what are these verses telling us today?
1: Um, yeah, we we have um, many different things. You know, we've got uh, the sons of the prophets. Um, you know, it's, we we definitely see a little bit of uh, education, training, learning, um, almost like a seminary education. Almost, but it's interesting. I, I mean, it's I mean I, it would be be a, be something to be able to see this living arrangement. Is this uh, almost uh, monastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it, is it uh, are they giving up uh, worldly possessions? Are they, how are, how are they doing this? But you see their constant interaction with the world. So it's not like they're shunning the world, so it's not monastic in, in that sense, but it's communal. Uh, so it's very, that's very interesting to mm-hmm. me. Um, and, and then they have their problem. Uh, it appears under Elisha, uh, there's been growth in the tutelage uh, of these um, uh, sons of the prophets. And so now they need to, to expand. Uh, and as they do so, uh, we, we have that struggle. Um, I think they're, you know, it, it, when I talked about in Naaman and, and then maybe with the king, it would seem like those two storylines with Naaman and then and then the king of Israel, which will be coming up next, it seems more um, obvious that, that God would pay attention, that God would care, that God would take notice of generals, of armies, of, of major nations of, of the world, or kings, of course. Mm. Um, but this is just a lowly poor man. Um, and yet, God takes notice of his need and supplies it. Like, he he cares for him individually, and I, I think that's that's something for us to to recognize that God is not. Um, I think we sometimes over uh, personalize, personify. You know, we, we make him human so that he would just be too busy. God's not too busy. That's like to limit God, and He's limitless. He's time is something under Him. Um, and so uh, we, we should never uh, we should never be uh, outside of, of turning every care, every concern over the Lord in prayer. It's not exactly what this man did. Uh, we have examples uh, throughout the chapter of problems that, that can be and are answered in, in God, uh, but they're not seeking the Lord. Uh, so our problems, we should turn over to the Lord. I had had some car trouble. We, we just returned back from a uh, week and a half in, in Florida and mm-hmm. on our way home, our car broke down. And it's so easy, right, to start thinking, okay, this is what we need to do and this is what we need to do instead of pausing and and, and turning it over to the Lord in, in prayer. Um, and it, when we do, it's not just because we think God is some genie and we're, or He will grant us wishes, but we will also see how he's already cared for us in the midst of, I mean, it could have been so much worse. It could have been deadly for us, Mm -hmm. but in the moment I'm thinking of, of my inconvenience instead of missing the reality of his protection. He he protected us in amazingly God only ways. um, If I would have only taken the time to realize it, in pause, uh, in reflection in the moment, uh, thankfully over the next couple of days, we've been able to, 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 to see it from a different perspective. Um, but here, the Lord provides. And and I think we definitely can see um, Christological uh, reflection in it, too. That, uh, yes, there's, you know, this wood is thrown into the water and and the iron floats. But, but God's grace is, is greater than because iron doesn't float. I mean, like, you don't mm-hmm. have to be a genius to know that. I'm not a scientist. I yeah. <laughs> don't pretend to be one. Uh, but that's just what we know. And yet, his grace is greater than the natural order of his creation, which shows us that he is over these things. And and the reality, I mean, my, my mind is just running here because, you know, the reality of, of the wood being baptized, you know, it's... It's in the wood that he overcomes, uh, and, and that which is drowned is is raised up, and
0: hmm. yeah, there's just a lot, lot there. Right. What do you see? And it happens in in the in the Jordan, no less. Um, yeah. And and you have all of those connections that are there. There's a, there's a few things that come to mind, and, and your thoughts are so, um, like you said, our minds are running because there are so many simple connections to our daily walk, and it reminds me a little bit of. When uh, Jehoshaphat, um in chapter Three, they're kind of like deciding, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go get uh, Moab and we're gonna destroy him, right? And he's like, yeah, but you know, maybe we should, I don't know, talk to a prophet or something to do with God here. I'm not quite sure where or how, but I think we should. and and that relates here, too, is the simple things, how we should go to the Lord. I simply had my axe fall out going to the water. And like you said, I simply had my car break down, and our natural reaction is, okay, let's go through my list, get out my AAA card, and start freaking out because of whatever the reason might be, these darn American cars or something like that, when we might be praying and knowing that God's going to see us through this, especially for the sake of our kids and our family and everything else. But it's so easy just to get so caught up that we just simply don't take it to the Lord in prayer. Um, and God does a miracle, you know, makes the iron float. It reminds me of Peter. <laughs> Peter, he says, walk on water, and his name literally means rock. I mean, God is trying to prove something here to show us that he can even work in the midst of those moments, and he'll work in our life as well. So here he is. He gets it back, and he keeps this man from debt. Um, which is an interesting dynamic. I was reading someone just kind of wrote that the Lord saves us from debt and that's what he did here. And we pray he does the same for us today. So any other, uh, any other thoughts connections?
1: Yeah. You know, when you were talking about, you know, other times from water, God providing, you know, uh-huh. it's like the, the, the fish's mouth things, the, the debt thing, the, the tax, the yeah. simple tax, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, God uh, from, water is is paying what we owe and, and that isn't that Christological right oh, so that you know what we owe has been paid for and he pulls us up from the waters being um, being restored and debt free you know thin debt free uh, yeah any kind of debt and, and owing is a reflection of of what we owed in our sin, you know, we can definitely make that theological connection, but here now it's it's an eternal debt has been paid as we've been lifted up from the waters. And that, that, that impossibility of an act being lifted up and and coming up to, to to the top and, and floating, there's also that impossibility for us who are dead to be raised up. Mm. Um, this is solely God. You know, no one can. Uh, I mean, there's been uh, little jokes. I was reading different commentaries, little jokes about others who have tried to like write some natural reasons that he like, uh, you know, Elisha, you know, put the, the stick through the, the, the axe head and, and then pulled it up. It's <laughs> like, well, then it can't be that deep. You know, reach your hand down. It, you know, it's like they're like basically making fun of these people who try to find natural answers. To only something that God could have done, Mm. um, and the miracle of it all, and and, uh, you know, us who who are totally lost in our sins and need not just to be dusted off, and and, but we need a full resurrection. um, This is only something God can do.
0: Reminds us of the miracle of salvation. Like we don't deserve any of this, only by His precious blood and his innocent suffering and death is the language that we'll use. So that, that's, yeah. Like let me tell you this about the possibility of an iron floating. And let me tell you about the impossibility of me being able to be saved, which is done only by the grace of God. So this, yeah, this is, and a there was some talk, there was some talking about how like uh,
1: there's connections to the Lord's supper too, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, if, if God can have this control over um, natural uh, order of things, uh, it's the same God who can come to us in bread and wine. You know, there's more elegant ways to to talk about it, as the Church Fathers have. Um, But uh, it was definitely amazing, uh, those kind of uh, encouragements and reminders.
0: And I think this is a a good reminder for us that, this is a perfect story for our listeners who are grandparents or parents. This is a great story to read to your kids because it isn't necessarily going to be in the kids' books, um, isn't necessarily going to be in the Sunday school uh, curriculum. Maybe it is. I, you know, I haven't uh, looked at, seen this one in recent history at least. But it's a good one that if you're like, oh, what story should I read to my kids, or when I have my grandkids, or or you're teaching Sunday school and you have a Sunday whatever, this is a great story to read and to make those connections. Salvation, the Lord's Supper, um, a few words in baptism, brings us back to Naaman, you know, that just dip in there seven times and you're healed. Well, you know, just just ask the prophet and boom, you know, iron will flow it. Why? Because of them? No, because of the Lord and how he works for the lowly. So let's keep moving on here because the next section is fascinating. I mean, this is really has a lot of um, applications for us today as well. So we'll start in verse 8. And go all the way through verse fourteen. Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, "At such and such a place shall be my camp." But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, "Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there." And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used used to warn him. So that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is the king of Israel? And and one of his servants said, None, my lord. O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is. That I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. So we have a transition here from the basic story by the Jordan um, with Elisha to more of a political realm of of Syria, um, which is to the north of of Israel, northeast of, of Israel. And, and there's this kind of a back and forth of strategy of people. And, and, and then they're like, what about Elisha? He seems to have all this intel what's happening. So what, what insights do you have in these verses?
1: So I would say, I mean, when we have just dealt with the, the lowly man and now, now we're dealing with more two greater men, I just am struck by what God is showing us throughout that, that he actually cares and, and, and he's actually involved and he has this personal reality with, with us. Um, so as we take a look at this one, um, it would be interesting It'd be interesting as this uh, Syrian King is, is looking at his advisors because that not by, by this point Syria is very powerful and um, the kind of more of a dominant position, and they can just easily raid um, Israel when, whenever they want, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so much so that they can kind of set up these, like, ambush points uh, within Israel. Uh, but every time that they try, uh, you know, Elisha tells the king, don't go there. <laughs> don't, do, do, don't do that. Um, so it's uh, obviously there must be a – so the king thinks, obviously, there must be a spy. And so he gathers up his – generals, leaders, advisors. Now it would be interesting if this was true. And as he's saying this, he looks out and there's Naaman. And he's like, uh, but that, yeah, that's that Elijah guy. Remember yeah. <laughs> remember him? Yeah. You know, wouldn't that be something <laughs> if it's Naaman saying, hey, uh, I don't, I, Elijah can tell him what's going on in your bedroom, right? <laughs> Whatever you're thinking you're saying in secret nothing secret to God. Re- mm. Remember me? Mm. Right? That would have been awesome. Been um, been. Either way, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, but uh, to me, that would be like, God is always making me laugh at his irony towards our our silliness. In our Absolutely. Uh, that would be very silly for us to forget Naaman. Um so, so then, of course, uh, you know, this guy's been tipping him off on everything he says, even though he's, you know, I, I don't know the, the, the map, if it's how many miles, hundreds of miles. I, I don't know. Uh, there's extreme distance here. He's nowhere to be found, and he knows what he's saying, though he thinks he can sneak up on him. Oh. I think that's also mm-hmm. a bit funny, too. Like, the hubris of this man is um, impeccable, right? Uh, he's telling this king every move that I make militarily, you know what I'll do? I'll sneak up on him. You're not going to speak up on him, um, but he tries, right? That's what he's going to do. I'll I'll go there, and I will surround him, and I'll get him.
0: Sure. That is really, that's a fascinating insight because you hear the story, and he's like, what? He's hearing what's going on in my bedroom, and then and why did it not happen that in verse 13 he said, behold, he's in Dothan, the non-knocked psychic cord, like that doesn't, makes sense because that's a long ways away from here and now I'm going to go and sneak up on him that's a great insight because um he's doing it to you and then you think you're gonna do it better I mean you've never done this before how in the world do you think this is going to work um but definitely there's a there's a there's a strategy here only if God would have included Naaman in this story like you said that would have been phenomenal but he didn't even though it's kind of fun to think about and what I love in verse 14 he says and there he sent Horses and chariots and a great army. Basically, what we understand, almost something that, um, like you said, they're powerful. They can ambush at any time. They think they're invincible. And there he sends what we can see. He, he sends what, what what we perceive to be the powerful. But once again, the focus here is that God works um, for the lowly and in lowly ways or ways that we cannot see. So definitely, everything's stacked up against them. They have no shot, but according to worldly view, they do. So it, it becomes more and more interesting as we go. We have about thirty seconds before our break here, Pastor. Any last thoughts before we move on after our break?
1: Um, yeah, I just would say you know that he has uh, the world amasses against the one who represents God and tries to do it, uh, tries to overtake uh, God's man and will only
0: fall. Uh, isn't that Christological? Well, right now we need to take our break. We are studying 2 Kings chapter six with Pastor John Schenck, and we'll be right back. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Second Kings chapter 6 with Pastor John Schenck of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. And as we have continued on, we see a powerful uh, king of Syria um, having a strategy. We see Elisha kind of taking him toe-to-toe or... Uh, heel to not heel to heel, toe to toe or nose to nose, whatever you want to call it. And now they're like, wait, how does he know so much? They're ready to attack how the world would attack with power, um, with more people and to exert, uh, exert what they have in order to take the other people down. But God has other plans. So before we move on, Pastor, I want to make sure that we're on the same page. Anything else you want to highlight?
1: Yeah, I would just say that when Elijah responds and wh- how he's been responding, um, it's not in like manner, right? Mm-hmm. He hasn't been try. He doesn't go to strike down. He doesn't say, hey, he's coming here. Uh, let's go kill him or, or whatever. He doesn't just, just, to, just it, it messes up every plan. He he stifles every evil plan that he makes. Mm. Um and here, he's coming out against them, and, and uh, Elisha doesn't say, go get my sword. We'll have to see what happens. Um, he is just at peace in 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 God.
0: What appears to be something where he would be anxious and getting excited, he seems to be, well, he's a man of prayer. I mean, he prays to the Lord in the midst of this. So this is a good reminder for us when we are in those anxious times. It's not a one-to-one, but it is a reminder for us in prayer. So let's see what happens when he does pray, verses 15 through 19. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes, that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike the people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. So the world around him is chaotic. But Elisha's like, "Hey, no problem. We got more than them, anyways." Which at that point, I wish the servant had a had a voice. You know, I wish it would have heard what the servant said at that moment. Because, like, are you kidding me? Look at this. It's you and me, basically. I mean, how how is this going to work? And then he points into something else. What are your thoughts on these verses?
1: Yeah, I think that that is the that is seeing us in the text, right? Alas, my master, what shall we do? Mm. Um, I think every church has faced that, every pastor. You know, it's like something comes up, uh, a struggle, a hardship, um, financial, uh, whatever it might be, pandemic. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, and we go, well, what are we going to do? Right? It's like, wow, we say those same words. But then Elijah says, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Um, So we need to be reminded that this is the reality for the church around the man of God, Christ, forever. (laughs) Mm. And and Jesus says the same thing, you know, when when he's uh, questioned by Pilate about how powerful Pilate is, like, you know, if I wanted to. (laughs) <laughs> if this was the will of my father, uh, you just calm down and they would, but my kingdom's not of this world. And, and, and Elijah really appears to be of that man of God, in which is like, my kingdom's not of this world. Hmm. Doesn't mean that I don't belong to a kingdom, <laughs> but my kingdom's not of this world. And, and you know, it's like, here, son, uh, son of the prophet, here, my, my child, look. And it was revealed. And that that is an amazing blessing, one in which we shouldn't expect to happen to us, that God would uh, reveal to us what he is doing behind uh, the scenes. But it is true for us constantly. If we could see the the flaming arrows that are pointed against us constantly, uh, we would be so terrified. We'd never come out from underneath our beds. Uh, But if we would see what was behind them, we would laugh. (laughs) <laughs> we would laugh at the face of the devil and all of his horde, because right behind them is our Lord Jesus with his host, and he's already won the victory. Um, so let us not be afraid. Uh, though, though we might face a hardship, struggle, and even loss of this life, um, we have eternal life in Christ, and we have the resurrection. Uh, our Lord Jesus lives. Uh, so let us live. Uh, with that knowledge and in that faith that he's alive. <laughs> and, uh, and and that's what we have with, that's what we see with Elijah. He believes that his God is a living God uh, whose host is there to do his will, God's
0: will. Now, just to break this down, because we're left with a little bit of, I would say, crickets in the background a little bit, like, oh, so... There's a lot of horses and chariots. What a uh, fire around Elisha! So did a did an army come? Is this a, a Midian thing where they had more uh, <laughs> they had made more noise and and therefore it looked like more people? Pastor, how would you describe who are these um, individuals of, of full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha? Who are those folks?
1: Yeah, I would say this is uh, unseen to uh, the Syrians uh, and and whole- it has to be revealed only by by faith. So this is an, a spiritual army, an angelic host. Um, and that reveals God's own name, right? Um, Yahweh, uh, Sabaoth, the, the Lord of hosts. Uh, that host is not just like a big group, but of an, ar- an army. Um, and so this is the army. So it's like uh, if you go back to, 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 to Joshua, Mm. Uh, and the, the 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 captain of the the uh, army of the Lord, uh, the pre-incarnate Christ comes to to him, and he worships him. And, um, here we see, we see again that that uh, that God's army is is <laughs> is much greater than any kind of military human force, even of today, uh, could muster. Um, and then how God answers this uh, is so. Amazing. So he doesn't just he doesn't just wipe them out. Like we even see grace towards them in amazing ways, right? He just blinds them. Uh, it's it's like uh, it's like what we see with Saul. Mm. Uh, so Saul is coming to wage war against uh, God's prophets, uh, God's people, and um, he is blinded. Mm. Uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So when he, they are coming to persecute Elisha, in reality, they're coming to persecute Christ. And uh, so they are blinded, and that is God's mercy. Um, he just wiped them out, uh, but he didn't. Uh, and, and what he does is uh, quite amazing.
0: That is. And I'm, I'm wondering about this connection for us today, because you got to be careful. You don't want to say... By the way, right now, you're surrounded by hundreds and thousands of horses and chariots of fire all around us, but how can we take this home for us today? Because I find this to be very comforting to know that behind us, as you said, the Lord of um, of Sabaoth, Lord, you know, from the mighty fortresses, our God language, that there's this mighty army of angels, and we pray this way, you know, in the evening prayer, that uh, that, the, the, that your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. So what kind of comfort would you describe to people from knowing that there are angels um, fighting um, with us in the battle? Um, how would you describe that? I don't know if I'm describing it very well. How would you describe it?
1: I think you are. I think you are. And yeah. I think, I guess, the negative uh, thought would be, uh, or our sinful thought would be, they're all around us, therefore I get to do whatever I want, and they'll oh. always like, like, no, they're not our army, the army of the Lord, and they're here to protect his children. That doesn't mean that we need to be reckless, careless, uh, you know, jump off from the pinnacle of the temple to prove that God is really with us. Um, he is with us, and I don't need to prove it. He proves it to me all the time. But to someone who is like, but we're I to have real assurance that this is really for me right now. Mm. We'll come to the Lord's Supper. Because What do we say? with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, all the host of heaven is here. So we do have a taste of heaven as we're entering into the presence of Christ who is with us in this meal. And as he comes, we we are passing uh, through uh, myriads and myriads of angels who gather around in festival as we receive the salvation of our Lord. So if you want to say, yes, it's right now, right here, they are with us. Uh, Just, come
0: towards Ah uh, yeah. There's that great meme that I, I saw where you just showed a family receiving the Lord's Supper and worship and it said below it, This is what you see. And then it had a picture of the whole host, you know, of the Lord and all the, the angels and so forth singing and, and 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 surrounding the altar and said, This is what's actually happening. And I thought that was a, a good way for us to see that in our text, but also how it applies to us today. Like you said so well. In the Lord's Supper, when we are surrounded by the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, any any yeah any, mega me, mega churches have
1: nothing on the divine service, right? <laughs> that the meager gathering is what we call meagreness of uh, of uh, 15, 20 faithful members coming up uh, to receive the Lord's Supper. Um, the host of heaven, the host of heaven, are gathered with them. with with angels and archangels. Um, Yes, heaven and earth has come together in Christ Jesus. Uh, If we could just
0: believe it. Right, right. And that's a good reminder for us and and, and for our listeners and for us as pastors is to, to be able to teach that, to think about that when we go for communion. I know... It's been really hard the last 16 months because there has been a major concern. How do we distribute the Lord's Supper faithfully? How do we care for people faithfully um, while keeping them safe? And what a great way for us to think about this is, although many people were not able to be together, we were with the angels, archangels, and all these wonderful things that are happening as we receive. So, Lord, oh, you know, Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we may see this when we partake here and now in today's world. So any last thoughts before I move on, Pastor? No, keep going. All right, keep going. 20 to 23, 20 to 23. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, you shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast, and when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. So it appears that the Lord is merciful again. Um, how does he yeah. do that in these verses?
1: Yeah, so they're, they're blinded, and then they are, are guided into the city and to the one whom they wanted from the beginning. They wanted the king, mm. so you want him, here you have him. Uh, but the, and, the, and God's ways, he's handing them over to them, uh, over to him. Uh, and yet the, the king, uh, who, who's got a kind of a checkered past with Elijah here, um, says, uh, uh, my father... And, and so it's kind of in awe of, hmm. of the, the man of God and, and what this – I mean, this man of God is leading a whole army, <laughs> right. a, a blinded army uh, to be captured uh, by the king. Should I, should I wipe them out? He's like, no, you should feed them. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that teach us something about uh, our enemies and how we should view our enemies and how they're blinded and, and they, they, they need to be – Shown mercy, because we've been shown mercy. And uh, there's just so much, uh, like you said, teaching our children. uh, This is also an amazing lesson to teach our children Mm. about humility and mercy and grace. Um, Yes, we could lord it over each other, (laughs) Uh, especially when the sins of our neighbors have been exposed. Their sin has been exposed. We could laugh in the face. We could expose. We could... Uh, you know, try to, uh, you know, w- win the day in a very um, kind of general way. Uh, but here, he's like, no, feed them. I give them something to drink and send them back home. Uh, so there's just much for us to learn about um, how God treats us, how he's merciful to us, and, and, and in the end, how miraculously he gave them victory.
0: And it tells them, you know, the the king asked twice, My father. And like you said, there's a respect there. There definitely is a uh, um, he sees him as a man of God. There's other parts where they say, well, the Elisha there, he has the word of the Lord. I think it was Jehoshaphat was like, oh, he's, he's a word of the Lord guy. You know, we want him. But here he speaks to him very reverently. And then he asks them twice, almost as if I don't We want to strike them down or maybe I do in my heart, but I probably shouldn't. What do you think? And he asked him twice, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? And you said it so well that that was not really the question. I mean, this is not the right question. The question is, how can we serve these people? And it brings us back to Jesus. and, And when he talks about loving your neighbor or loving your enemy, you know, and turning the other cheek type of language. And and not only that, but you're going to feed them. You're going to give them not just bread and water, like we would give, like you have this old vision of a jail or something, you know, like bread and water. Right. And that's all they have. It says here that they, they prepare for them a great feast. It was not just a little water and a little bread. It was a great feast. And so they had had their fill and moved on. And according to what it says, never came back as far as for a raid. So it it is a it is a Great reminder of, I guess, killing them with kindness. I don't, know how, I don't know how you describe it, but definitely God's mercy that we are to extend other people. Other thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think we have this picture of blindness, right? So we had the blindness of the the army of, of Syria that they were blinded, but also this king is blinded in his own way mm. uh, because God has already given you the victory. Like, put down the sword. The the battle is actually already over do not oh, understand that these people have just surrendered and he's so he's just blinded to the truth of what has happened and he needs the word to teach him to reveal to him what god has already done and he's like you could see this playing out in real life like here's the army and you're like okay let's go get our guns let's fight and it's like no it's already over what <laughs> it's, it's they're they're they sur- surrendered but we didn't god did it god did it man. okay let's and so the feasting is a feasting, really, in honor of God. Both of these armies have to come together to honor God's victory,
0: and it's not something. Wow, yeah, and it brings us obviously to uh, heaven, where we realize yeah. that the victory has been won, and He will give us the eternal banquet that is, you know, that will never end. And here, <laughs> and here they're getting a foretaste, I guess you'd say, of the feast to come when we realize it is all in God's hands not our own. Now I want to take one step back because I want to put this back in real world perspective is that here is this army, the Syrian army, which obviously was a threat. They are walking to the King And they're kind of like stumbling over themselves, you know, (laughs) because they're blind. And so here they are going, and just imagine the feelings of what's going on through everybody's hearts. Because there's probably people in the community seeing these guys come in, and they're afraid, but they're not afraid. And they're looking at Elisha and looking at others. I think about all of those things. How could people not yet want to worship the Lord Yahweh after they see all of this happen, let alone the feasting, let alone the... um, um, the reality of the Syrians leaving without any issue. I mean, just a just quite the sight to see of God's glory and how he works. Not in a lowly way, this is a pretty powerful way that he worked among God's people. So any, that was my, one of my thoughts. Any other thoughts?
1: Yeah, no, it's good, and it, it's right, uh, though we continue to have these kind of struggles to where we have these cycles, and we're going to come up to a new cycle in which we— in which there's a lot forgotten, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's keep moving on here. We'll do verses 24, and we will go uh, to 31. Afterward, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and the fourth part of the cave of do- Dove's dung for five shekels of silver. Now, as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out and said, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord will not help you, how should I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? And the king asked her, What is your trouble? She answered, The woman said to me, Give, me your, give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat him, my son tomorrow. And so we boiled my son and ate him. And the next day I said to her, Give your son that we may eat him. And she has hidden her son. When the king heard the words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall. And the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth beneath on his body. And he said, May God do so to me and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. Now, there's a lot of complexities to the story. There's a reason why this is not a Sunday school story. So how would you want to break this right. down? Right. <laughs> right.
1: Yes. Yeah. There there is some areas of uh, maturity here and it is good for us to understand that, that God's word is is real and real history. Not everything that's going on in history. I reveal all of that to my children of all different ages. There is some time uh, of growth and, and struggle so um, yeah I, mm. I would I would agree with you on that not, not every narrative is uh, is one for our smallest children um, that would definitely give me nightmares hearing oh, about gotcha. uh, mothers eating their own children um, mm. it, but it does reveal to us uh, of mature age um, the real struggle of sin and why why is God Allowing these things to happen, well, that is within their hearts. Something that is hopefully beyond our comprehension is something that they actually did. Um, Hmm. So why would God allow evil? Well, um, they're pretty evil. Uh, Why would God allow suffering? Well, this is pretty much the worst thing I could ever imagine. Um, And they're willing to do it. And now fighting over why? Why is she not doing it? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I I think even in that we see grace and mercy, uh, because if it was probably us, we would just wipe them off the planet Um, and and maybe justifiably so. Uh, But uh, here God is amazingly, beyond my comprehension, long-suffering with his people, and he will yet again – as you will go into the next chapter, uh, provide an amazing, his own way of doing it solely by his own activity, uh, salvation, uh, lowercase s, uh, for his
0: people. And this is where you hear, you, you understand in a very small sense that the famine had to have been pretty bad because... You know, they're selling dung, they're giving donkeys heads, they're doing all these things. So things are really bad. Syria, who they say did not raid on Israel, and I don't want to get into that too much, um, but, but to be it said, it's probably a different time and a different situation that happened here, is that right. Syria's there, they're fighting, um, and now things are so bad that they're even um, eating their children. Um, and yeah. we see how bad sin can be this isn't just a walking dead episode this is a this is a real world situation and and now um, it's for them to come to the lord in repentance now I, I really do struggle sometimes in how we look at this and how we're supposed to see this how would you summarize this to someone when you read it and, and what it means for us um
1: yeah this is a difficult one yeah. isn't it yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's difficult for us to see um, the fullness of our of our depravity, um, I would I would say that the beginning it's much like what we have with Joseph and after Joseph the the coming generations have forgotten how God used Joseph, and so then they turned to mistreat God's people, right? Mm-hmm. So after that king was like, I ain't never going back there. This is, this is unworkable. Like the God, the God is with them. Uh, now coming generations are like, well, we're bigger and stronger than them. Let's just go. Uh, and they had forgotten that God is with them. Um, so uh, that's how I read it. And uh, so then they go uh, and uh, God had already, and you'll get this coming up again, uh, promise that there would be a famine in the land. And then when there's a famine and then you're besieged, like that's, that's double problems, right? right? You can't go out, you can't leave and you didn't have food to begin with. Uh, so things that are unclean donkeys, you can't eat those, uh, though they're selling their heads and, uh, anything, uh, is, is eaten. um, anything. So, um, the fullness of of sin and and then you have the king in sackcloth though is is this just um an outward uh act instead of a total change of heart um because he doesn't there's no place in the text where he's he's praying out to the lord and saying uh look at our sinfulness Mm -hmm. you know you know is he just trying to do you know i i do these things i check these boxes and god has to do like it's try, Are you trying to force God's hand, as if you can control Him? Um, so uh, yeah, because he's not seeking the Lord. He's not. Mm-mm. He'll. He makes his his answer about the prophet of God, um, but it that doesn't sound like repentance.
0: No, not at all. And that's what's very difficult about this text, which makes us realize that we all fall short in the glory of God. And like you said so well, like if, as iron can float um, with the Lord, that's our only chance when we think of salvation. Um, so let's keep moving on to the end here, 32 and 33, and we can wrap it up as we have about three minutes left. Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. Now the king had dispatched a man from his presence, but before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, do you say see how this murderer has sent to take off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold the door fast against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still speaking with him, the messenger came down to him and said, The trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? So this one's a little bit harder to unpack. How would you unpack these last few verses as we wrap things up? So, again,
1: Elijah is not uh, an easy person to sneak up on. (laughs) He knows what's happening. (laughs) They didn't learn the lesson yet again. Uh, So they're trying to to do this to to kill him. And if that doesn't teach us how people get angry against God, but take it out against his messengers. So heads up, pastors. (laughs) Uh, Heads up, Pastor Bierman. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they don't like the, what's coming from God and what God says that how we are to live and, and what we are to do and how he is God and he is Lord and not us. And so, uh, they will try to take your head too. Um, but thanks to God. The one who is was with you is greater than the one who was with them. Um, so, uh, so he is kept outside and, and Elijah is kept safe, um, we, we kind of end this chapter before we get to the answer, but God will provide an answer, and he still is a God of deliverance. You just have to wait
0: till, till tomorrow. What looks like trouble is the time that God brings deliverance. Pastor, we have about 30 seconds left. How would you summarize this chapter for us today?
1: Yeah, I would summarize it by saying, uh, great or small, uh, no matter who we are, God is the God who loves, who cares for you, and has provided the answer to your greatest need in His Son. So the the, the Word of God has gone out, and the, the prophets are continuing to proclaim the might of the God uh, of the Lord of hosts, and the one who raised Jesus from the dead is still the one who watches over you. So let us go to Him in prayer. Let us seek Him, because in him, uh, we have salvation.
0: Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois, giving us God's strong word from 2 Kings chapter 6. Pastor Schenck, thank you again for being our guest. Thank you. Saints of our Lord, the Lord is the one who delivers. He delivered a son of the prophet from debt. The Israelites from the Syrians, and we pray each morning and night that his holy angel would be with me, that with us, that the evil foe may have no power over us. And as we look at that, we realize who has had the final victory. It is the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts who is at your right hand and has had the victory. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. Thank you